and welcome to Season 3 of Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, Spooky Uncle John. With me are my Millennial Falcons. Snyderman 501 Nick Snyder. And... Fire Lily, or Ren. <laughs> our techno-mage. Guys, it's good to see you after we've had a little break. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. As always, you can find us on Instagram, X, and TikTok at the Area 51H. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Area 51 and a half. And make sure to check out our Patreon for all sorts of goodies and to make sure we can pay our Podbean subscription. Thank that, you. That is important. It is, yes. It helps us stay on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, we're going into season three. We do not want to not be able to podcast. Exactly. There. Speaking of podcasts, we're going to shine a, a spotlight on some fellow podcasters. Yeah. Fear Freaks Podcast with Braden Timmons and Destiny Faulkner. Join them as they review and discuss horror movies, give their commentary, and live watch parties. You can subscribe to them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can check out their latest episode where they talk about their top 10 spooky fall movies. Yeah, you know what? I, I love... I've talked to Destiny a couple times. Yeah. I love her take on horror movies. Yeah, she's really smart. She's really smart when it comes to that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, she, she can give you a really interesting perspective on things that I have not thought of before. Yeah. Particularly Scream, because you know that's not my favorite franchise. Yeah. But, you know, after talking with her a little bit, it's like, you know, I can see that point of view. I see where where it's um, where it can be a fan favorite, you yeah, know, just yeah. because it's not personally mine. So really wonderful perspective. Can't wait to check them out. Hopefully they'll check us out as well. Nick, sadly, though, sadly. Yeah. A lot of famous people passed away while we were on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um No. <laughs> Not great at all. I mean, let's start with Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, that one, I mean, that one kind of came, came out of a shock. He wasn't really an old guy. I think he was, I think he only hit 60. No, but it wasn't known that he was sick yeah, either, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, know. it he wasn't was, out was there. very private with it. Yeah, which is fine, you yeah, know? But I mean, I mean, who doesn't love Pee Wee's Playhouse and that early Tim Burton movie, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? You know? that, well, large the, March. La, large March scared the crap out of me. Oh, my <laughs> God. And you see a little Jack Skellington in there somewhere, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, one of my favorite non-Pee Wee Herman movies, though, was uh, Mystery Man, where he played, um, oh my god, the, 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 the gaseous uh, superhero. The gaseous superhero. <laughs> Holy farted. The spleen. The spleen, yes. I grew up on Mystery Men. A lot. <laughs> it really does. Well, I mean, and that, that's the thing is, like, I didn't, I saw the Pee Wee Herman movies when I was younger, mm -hmm. but I never really connected to it. Right. But I connected more to Mystery Man, so that's what I really think of when I think of Paul Rubens. Yeah, I, I think of him as Pee Wee Herman mostly, and uh, Oswald Cobblepot's father. Right, yes, <laughs> that is, that is, uh, the Penguin's that dad. That was, yeah. Um, there was also Bob Barker. Yeah. Bob Barker, 99 years old, former host of The Price is Right. One of my favorite meme memes was uh, he made it to 99 without going over. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's funny. A little too soon, but funny. <laughs> no, actually, I think it was spot on because if you waited for that, it was. And, you know, I think he would have loved it. Yeah, I think he would have, too. Uh, I think he had a great sense of humor. He um, really did a lot of advocacy work for, you know, controlling the, the pet population, having mm -hmm. your pet spayed or neutered, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, Drew Carey continues on with the yes, price right to this day. Now, one of my favorite things, um, he actually guest hosted an episode of Monday Night Raw for WWE. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a weird era where they had like William Shatner and Hugh Jackman <laughs> and a bunch of celebrities. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know Schwarzenegger. Yeah, was. no, did he, he did. He came down and he uh, pounded the crud out of uh, Triple H. Oh, my God. Um, I never saw in that the one. fakest yeah, <laughs> choreography I've I ever know. seen. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of wrestling, though, we lost two big names in the wrestling world. Of course, Terry Funk, who was huge during the territory days, and then reinvented reinvented himself as a hardcore legend during yeah. the Attitude Era. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt, who was on his way to essentially becoming wwe's next undertaker he died he was 36 yeah 
Died of a heart attack. That's it's real sad. Yeah, I, I when I think of Terry Funk, I certainly do think of the hardcore yeah. wrestling matches, you know, like where anything goes, no holds barred. Use a trash can, use barbed wire, use whatever, right? Yep. Yep. Like just an amazing, amazing talent that way. This one hurts my heart. Yeah. This one hurts my heart because I'm a parrot head. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Buffett just passed away. Uh, Everybody knows Margaritaville. Wasted. Uh, yeah, I, I, here's the thing. Jimmy Buffett's music, I like the island feel of it. Yeah. I really dig that. But that being said, it's always been oldies to me. It's always stuff that's been, right. been that my parents listened to or uh, that was on the oldies station. But I like that. I like Mungo Jerry, stuff like that. Um, it's fun music. Well, it, it's the vibe. Yeah. Right? You is. hit it right on the head. It is that island vibe. You cannot go to a tropical island or even to Florida without thinking about Margaritaville, without thinking about Jimmy Buffett, having that as part of your soundtrack. It's like Beach Boys, Jimmy Buffett, Mungo Jerry, like yeah. you said, like just... That, to me, is like the sound of summer, and so it's kind of sad that the sound of summer has died. So, one of my... I'll just be very, very quick with this. One of my favorite moments with Jimmy Buffett is Jurassic World, when the pterodactyls are attacking Main Street. He He's in the crowd, and he grabs a pair of margaritas and runs off with them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I know this one is near and dear to a lot of fans' hearts, especially uh, fans of the Batman. Yep. Arlene Sorkin passed away. Yeah, that oh. so that that hurts because Harley Quinn was a constant in my life growing up right. because of the cartoons. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before where Harley Quinn actually was given birth to in that original um animated series yeah. Batman, right? Off the popularity of the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. And so she invented Harley Quinn. She is Harley Quinn. Well, and that, that's the thing with that character. That character was just supposed to be in that one episode yeah. that she debuts in. But everybody loved what she did with it. And they invited her back. Yeah. And the rest is comic book history. Yeah. Literally, she, because it went from the cartoon to the comics. And she was on Days of Our Lives. And she hosted the spinoff show from America's Funniest Videos, which was America's Funniest People with yep. Dave Goulet. So, yeah, I mean, all these people are going to be missed, 100%. Yeah. You know, what else can we what can we say about that? Not a whole lot. It's sad. It's it sad is. when it happens, and, you know, it's just one of those things that we have to get used to, and, you know, they make way for new talent coming up. They pioneer the ways for new talent. So, mm -hmm. speaking of pop culture, it is time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. All right, so it's been a few weeks, and even though we've been off for the entire month of August, it's been a little dry, actually, as far as pop culture news goes. So let's start with this. After, geez, 30 years, Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, is retiring. Well, can you blame him? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, He's been doing it for a long time. He is an older gentleman. I can understand retiring at this point. It, it is work. It is a lot of work because he's not, he, he does the cons. He does the work. He go, he's constantly, I know he's constantly in the, um, in the recording chamber doing the thing. So I can get it. I don't know who they're going to replace him with. I can't, the problem is, is the, the, the thing I, I have to wonder is if they, if they replace him, is it going to be someone doing a mock-up of his voice or are they going to let that new actor do his own thing? Well, you know what? I think that is usually what happens. Because if you think about how the um, voice casting goes, mm -hmm. and we look, because we're going to actually be talking about this later on in the show with Warner Brothers, you look at the fact that Mel Blanc did all of the Looney Tunes voices, with the exceptions of the ones that Gene Foray did, like yeah. Granny and, and so forth, right? So it took, I don't know how many actors to replace Mel Blanc. Yeah. And all the people are doing is an imitation of Mel Blanc doing those characters. So anybody that comes down to those voices, it's becoming an imitation of an imitation of Mel Blanc. And even if you look at, we just talked about Arlene Sorkin, she passed that role on to Tara Strong. And Tara Strong does a pitch perfect rendition of Arlene Sorkin's yeah. uh, Harley Quinn. So, yeah. That is probably what will happen, but be interesting. 
a very recent wrestling thing that just happened on Saturday, CM Punk was fired from AEW. And that comes as a bit of a shock. I'm going to try and leave my personal opinions out of this. But basically, there was an issue with uh, Jack Perry, who is Luke Perry's kid, who's on the AEW roster. He did a spot where he wanted to use real glass. And on live television, CM Punk told him not to do it. On live television, called him out about this very private thing that happened backstage. And CM Punk confronted him on it. And it got physical and... Tony Khan, the CEO of AEW, fired CM Punk as a result. It's a mess. It's a so this is legit. This so, is legit. It's so hard with wrestling, right? Because this, like they do these things where you go, and if they do it well, you actually think, "Oh my gosh!" Like this person's happened. So it's not part of a bigger storyline. The thing is, is the real stuff that ha- the actual real stuff that happens backstage. Sometimes, a lot of the times, is a lot more tantalizing than the stuff that happens on screen. Mm-hmm. And this is this is not the first problem that's involved Punk. There was a whole thing last summer with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks where Punk got suspended. The fact of the matter is, and I will be very honest about this, it is clear that Tony Khan does not have control over his locker room and it's causing problems because mm-hmm. this has been an ongoing issue. But that's a whole other thing. Um TikTok star, this is this is a little bit of a weird one for me. TikTok star and social me, uh, social media sensation Kabe Lame has been added as a playable, uh, I guess, a playable skin on Fortnite. Now, if you don't know who Kabe Lame is, he has millions of followers in social media, and he got his his level of fame for mocking other videos, and he just beca- he just blew up from there. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of a weird thing to see, um, social media stars, content creators, like, I, like I remember, uh, Bella Porch, she, uh, was able to maneuver into a recording, uh, career from her social media career and seeing these other social media stars, like it was, uh, I think it was Jeffree Star he was uh he started off doing social media content creation and maneuvered into his own line of makeup like a whole bunch of like it's just kind of interesting to see how these social media stars these content creators are maneuvering their way into other media right. the same way uh, like stars back in the 90s would it's just really kind of neat and very interesting um and finally Taylor Swift Oh boy, the Swifties are ravenous. So there's a Taylor Swift concert movie coming out, and it has broken AMC Theater's uh, record, which was previously held by Spider-Man No Way Home for the most pre-sales sold. Wow, KT fans are serious. They're hardcore. Now, that's an interesting thing. Considering what's and I'm just I am going to just mention this aspect of it because because it, it does involve the, the the strike that's going on, but if Taylor Swift's concert movie does well, like it seems to be projected to, the Hollywood studios have something that they can start putting in theater, concerts. Right. Because concerts. It's not are, new though. But that's it's not, not new. new. It's not new. But concerts. I I honestly think that the reason this concert movie is doing well is because of how expensive and hard to get those concert tickets on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's got to be part of it. It has to be. But, I mean, theaters have done opera. They've done uh, Broadway shows. I've seen that where they put those into theaters. I don't know how well they did because, for some reason, it doesn't do it around here. But They used to do it around here, but I'm I'm not thinking too many people in our general area is big into the opera. Well, I know that, but it is, it's that Cineplex here in Canada has ownership of that. So they pick and choose where which ones is going into. So when I say it doesn't happen around here, we would have to travel somewhere yeah. to to go and do that. Like our Cineplex here in town is not yeah. going to promote something like that. They're not going to put in something like that. They, I mean, I had to drive over to London to watch the last voyage of the Demeter because it was not yeah. coming here, even though it was advertised as coming here. Yeah, and that, that uh, I. I 
I got a little insight onto how, into how booking works for theaters. And basically they look at trends within a specific theater is how they make that yeah, determination. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if you continue doing that, you're never going to see if there's an opportunity for other trends, you know, yeah, for know. other uh, things coming along. And, you know, in a summer that was dominated by Barbie, you're not going to find that. That's not going to be an accurate view because that was so amazingly blown up. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article earlier. Barbie saved the the, the uh, summer theater business. And it's like, yeah, because everything else is pretty much not done well. Well, Oppenheimer did well. Oppenheimer did well. Yeah. Um, but it was but, part of the whole Barbieheimer internet craze. Yeah, but like if you look at the other big tent poles like uh, Blue Beetle, uh, Ninja Turtles, all that kind of stuff. Um, even the like, I, I think Mag 2 did okay, but I don't think it did, did okay. the huge yeah. money that they thought it would do. The, the Mag 2 did much better overseas than it did here. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not been a great, great summer for movies. Speaking of overseas, speaking of overseas, this blew me away. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Simon Liu is, yeah. is singing. He has made this song. He has a fantastic voice. Really? I'm well, not, I'm not guess... kidding. It's fantastic. And it's a beautiful song. I, I don't know the name of it, but it's it's fantastic. But as they were talking about it on the social, mm -hmm. Lainey, who is Chinese-Canadian, said that in North America, we have a tendency to pigeonhole people into one particular yeah. thing, right? Yeah. We're used to seeing maybe singers like Lady Gaga come into acting, but we're not used to it sort of the other way around, you know? Interestingly enough, you can find this on YouTube. Jackie Chan has... Over 20 albums in China where he sings in Cantonese and he has sung things like A Whole New World, uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You. That's because he was the voice in, in Mulan yeah. in the Chinese But film. there's all kinds of other songs that he has done. And you, you, you really need to check it out because it's quite amusing. It's so good. Sorry, I just want to talk about uh, Disney movies for a second there because you brought up the songs. Um, Ren and I were having a discussion. So there, uh, Taron Egerton and, um, Ariana Grande have been, uh, those names have been bandied about for the live action remake of Hercules. And, uh, Ari Ariana Grande, of course, is being talked about for Meg. Yeah, of course. Which, and she looks the part. And, but here's the thing though. And I she was, can sing the song. She can sing the song. The thing is, is I, 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 I was listening to my driving playlist on Spotify and I forgot she actually sang Zero to Hero for right. her Disney album. Like, oh, that's cool. So there's her audition right there. But yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that live action film because that is my favorite Disney movie. So, Well, I'm not looking forward to too many live action films from Disney, to be honest with you. I just, I just I'm, think that they have no ideas and they're just running with this. And I'm trying uh, to be optimistic I about know, it. it I well, know. I have to be. It's my favorite Disney film. So Yeah. Well, you know what? Speaking of Disney and speaking of films, that brings us to our main topic. We're going to talk about a hundred years of not Disney, but of Warner Brothers. And the yeah. reason I bring Disney into it is because I did a little research for this Millennial Falcons. And it's interesting in the fact that they have this worldwide sort of market share. Yeah. Right? Like it's a, it's astounding. The things that Warner Brothers owns or has investment in or stakes in is mountainous, but they actually have a higher percentage of that market than Disney does by a slight margin. Disney has, and I'm rounding it, rounding it, 18%. Warner Brothers has 20. See, and that blows my mind because some uh, somebody made a diagram of all the different things that Disney owns. I just. The fact that Warner Brothers has more. Oh, I didn't necessarily say more, more per se. I would say probably more value. Yeah. That just blows my mind. So who exactly are the Warner Brothers? I know. Yakko Wacko and their sister Dot. Hello, nurse. <sighs> no. No. <laughs> All right. So it started with Harry, Albert, and Sam Warner back in the early 1900s. I like Yakko, Wacko, and Dot better. Yeah, it does sound better. <laughs> anyway, 
Anyway, they purchased a projector and they toured around Ohio and Pennsylvania to all the different mining towns showing short films on mining. Now, I just want to stop there for a second because this is, I thought about this while I was, while I was reading this today. We talk about representation, but imagine being these miners where they're seeing this type of thing for the first time. Right. And they see themselves represented on a screen, a moving picture. Like, yeah. that must have been insane well, at the time. Well, especially because, I mean, 100 years ago, film wasn't... No. We take it as very commonplace. Yeah. It was a new invention. Right. You know, and we're talking the silent era. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like absolutely mind-blowing stuff. And the, the, to preface this, these men, this company, were always on the precipice of innovation. They were the leading innovators in the, in the business. Yeah, and you know, I think it's almost impossible for anybody to sit there and say they have never seen a Warner Brothers movie. Honestly, yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. Now, in 1903, uh, they set up their own stationary Nickelodeon in Pennsylvania, and they brought their fourth brother, Jack, more on him later, into the fold. <laughs> and Jack was, I guess, was a younger brother, and he would entertain people during intermission by singing to them. That was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's true because the, the silent films had piano players. You know, you'd, yeah. you'd go to the movies. They'd show you the motion picture. It would freak you out seeing this train coming at you. The piano players down there furiously playing the piano and then would be entertainment probably at intermission and or pre-show or whatever. From, from what I understand about it, the music was very vaudevillain in style. Vaudevillian, yeah. Vaudvi sorry, vaudevillian. Sorry. A vaudevillain is someone who is probably like Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> the vaudevillains were a wrestling tag team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, in... ADHD is a wonderful thing. Uh, Keep us on track. <laughs> in 1918, the brothers open up their studio on Sunset Boulevard. And they released My Four Years in Germany, their first nationally syndicated title. And that that is what started making them money. That was the first big release for them. Mm -hmm. They're still they're, they're, they're still an underneath studio at this point. They're not big. They're still on what's called Poverty Row on right. Sunset Boulevard. By probably making but, like shorts and uh, B-movies. Yeah, 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 thing, yeah, right? yeah. Now in the 20s, it was Rin Tin Tin that helped put W... WB on the map, right? Uh, Rin Tin Tin's first film, Where the North Begins, did so well, the pupper was dubbed The Mortgage Lifter by Jack Warner. He made them so much money, it just paid off their mortgages. Absolutely. And I don't just mean on their houses, I mean on the studio. Right. Absolutely brilliant. The dog was signed to even more films for $1,000 a week, which was a lot of money in the 20s. In today's money, that's $15,000 a week or $780,000 a year. That was one well-paid pupper. Yeah. Or basically the cost of owning a dog. <laughs> that's one expensive dog. Listen, man, prices these days, I'm telling you, I don't know how anybody has a pet. Well, okay, fair enough. I understand that. <laughs> All right. So despite... Rin Tin Tin making them oodles and oodles and oodles of money. Warner Brothers still had trouble finding its way out of Poverty Row. Their biggest star was a dog, but when they cast John Barrymore as the lead for Bo Brummel, that skyrocketed them to the level of like First National, MGM, and Paramount, the big studios of the day, almost overnight. Yeah. So they got John Barrymore, who was fresh off Broadway. They got him in Bo Brummel, and everybody ate that up. Everybody loved that stuff. Uh, they were the first to add synchronized sound to a film. So they were the first to actually do a talkie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I meant about at the at yeah. right at the precipice of an innovation. Right. Um, and everyone would have flocked to that. Well, <laughs> So Harry Warner was actually against it. He famously said, who the heck wants to hear an actor talk? 
Well, but don't forget, though, back then, you could disguise their voices. Well, yeah. Wasn't it um, uh, Fatty Arbuckle who had, like, a really high-pitched voice or something? Uh, I'm not sure. No? I I did not know Fatty Arbuckle. I'm not that old. (laughs) I don't know. I thought you might have heard stories, but anyway. So, in 1926, Warner Brothers produced Don Juan, once again, with John Barrymore, the first feature film with synchronized Vitaphone sound effects and a soundtrack. You know, it's interesting because that's exactly what Singing in the Rain is about. You know, it's not... I mean, the big famous thing, of course, is the dance number. Yeah, right? of course. Everyone knows the dance And, and the song, Singing in the Rain. Everybody knows that. But the, the plot of it is that the silent era is leaving and the talkies are coming in and they have this actress who has a really bad voice... And Debbie Reynolds has a nice voice, and so they want Debbie Reynolds to be the voice of this mm-hmm. uh, actress. And everybody eats it up and thinks, oh, what a lovely voice she has. And then, you know, the, because they want Debbie Reynolds to have the the fa- her character to have the fame, they want her to have the recognition, they pull this really great stunt to prove that it was actually Debbie Reynolds who was the voice of the actress in the silent film. Cool. I, I You just thought me. it was about a, <laughs> a, I'm gonna a be tap honest dance with you. and singing in the rain, right? I'm going to be honest with you. I have actually not seen Singing in the Rain. That I, doesn't surprise me, but dude. one of the best dance numbers, the make him laugh. Oh, yeah. Like, he just, like, sends himself sailing through the wall. How have you not seen that? Give, well, it, a wa- give it a watch. We're, we're off We're going to watch yeah. it. Okay. So yeah, they're first to do. They were the first. Okay, to do a well, 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 Nick record. Well, well, we let Nick regroup. I just want our listeners to understand aliens. Nick is an uncultured swine. Point <laughs> going, <oink>, baby. <laughs> right. The success of Don Juan led to the Jazz Singer. Um, this cemented Warner Brothers' place in the pantheon of Hollywood. They secured new land out of Poverty Row and built the now famous Warner Brothers Studio. So, like, the, the water tower and everything. Right, where right? they, they locked in uh, Yakka, Wacko, and Dot. You should have locked Jack. <laughs> um, this success led to further further innovation with uh, On With The Show, the first all-talking, all-color feature. So, again, at the precipice of innovation. Right, right. They were huge for that. Uh, during the 30s, they also released the first Looney Tunes cartoon, Sinking in the Bathtub with a character called Bosco. And in 1936... Porky Pig was introduced with the rest of the classic Looney Tunes roster following suit shortly thereafter. And the rest is history on that. Yeah, especially when you get Porky Pig's famous thing, meaning, 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 that's all, folks. Yeah, and that's the thing. He kind of became a um, a pseudo-mascot for them in that sense for their cartoon. Even though Bugs Bunny became the upper echelon, he, yeah. he yeah. eventually became the, the mascot. Yeah, but it was Porky Pig who wrote the shield at the end, yeah. saying, that's all, folks. Yeah. So that, that kind of became synonymous with them. Now, um, one of the things I did look into a little bit, Jack Warner was a real-life Saturday morning cartoon villain. Yeah, he you, was. you were telling me about this earlier, where it's, it's almost like I, I said to you, I don't know if I think he's a brilliant businessman or if he's basically snidely whiplash going, <laughs> let's tie her to the tracks and let the train run over her. The only <laughs> the only answer I have for that is yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the man, honestly, I think the man would sell his own, own mother's dentures for money, but like... And probably did. Probably did. <laughs> um, so he took over as president uh, i believe during the 20s and he ruled with an iron fist he would randomly fire people for no cause just to scare the crap out of other workers so let me get this straight so basically someone is coming along let's say it's a street sweeper you know doing their job picking up the litter puts puts it in the trash can jack warner decides that he doesn't like that trash can they put in he would have preferred him to put in the other one says that's it you're fired yeah Essentially, I think you're putting far too much more thought into it than that. But yeah, yeah. So he, he just walk around the Warner Brothers lot, fired, fired, fired. No, she's kind of keep, keep her fired. He fired his own son just to, <laughs> just to embarrass him. 
just to knock him down a few pegs. Oh my gosh. Oh, it, <laughs> he's, he's Vince McMahon. Kind of? Like the character of the evil boss. Kind of? There's yeah. no kind of. I'm seeing the direct similarities there. I mean, Vince McMahon did fire his own son, so. <laughs> Both on screen and in Jack real life. Warner. You don't understand. <laughs> so, yeah, Jack, Jack Warner had this reputation for being a complete monster in the business. Shrewd? Sure. But a monster? Well, okay. So <laughs> it comes to the point where the brothers want to sell the studio. All right. This ought to be good. Jack Warner agrees. Let's sell the studio. Sure. He puts together a group of buyers and, and pays into it the most amount. That group of buyers buys the studio and then he buys his stock back. And now he has the controlling interest in Warner Brothers uh plants himself in as a ceo cuts his brothers out completely and there it is like i said the dude would sell his own mother's dentures for money so the other warner bros are like going okay yeah we're gonna make money we'll sell the studio this is this is it we're we're gonna cut out great i agree now and and they just sat there and went wait what (laughs) now at this point, there's only three Warner Brothers because uh, Sam sadly passed away just as Jazz Singer was uh, releasing. Okay. Uh, so th- none of them were there for the opening night for that, which was... You know. So Jack was the youngest one, right? Yes, I believe so, yeah. I, why do I sit there and have this feeling that they were sitting around the table for Sunday night dinner at one point and he went, Who's the moron now? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he just tried to get back at them for making them sing during intermission. I think so, right? Wouldn't <laughs> You? Why not? Why not? Oh, and and here we are. Here's this complete monster of a businessman, and we're just trivializing him at this point. Well, anyway, we, well, we don't we don't know that he was a monster. This is just business, right? Yeah, that, but it's his reputation, and you that you leave that reputation behind. It, that's his and legacy. Do you think he cares? No, <laughs> he died a rich man. He don't give a crap. I, I wouldn't care. I, I was, it was like, yeah, well, you know, I, I have all this money and uh, Warner Brothers is one of the biggest studios going. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the other things, though, just just to bring it back on track a little bit, they hired. Um, so back in the day. Movie studios would contract actors to these ridiculous contracts. Right. Just stupid decades-long contracts. Well, yeah, they basically... Where they owned them. Yeah, basically uh, an actor back in the day was chattel. Yeah, exactly. They were part of the studio. They owned it. I mean, this is what uh, happened to poor Judy Garland. You know, it's like, oh, she's tired. Give her an upper. Oh, you know, she's not sleeping well. Give her a downer, you know? And so they got her addicted, and yeah, it's terrible. Well, when... They owned her. Yeah, and when MGM were done with her, for lack of a bet, like they didn't just re- they were done with her. Warner Brothers swept in and they took her up and they put her in um, the musical version of A Star Is Born, right? Which there was some studio mess around on that, but still, whatever. The, the movie that has been remade for time and all eternity. A that Star was, Is Born. Yeah, that was the second remake, I believe. Was, yeah. Anyway. There's about five or six remakes of A Star is Born. Uh, same thing with Danny, Debbie Reynolds. When she hit 40, MGM were like, you're out. And Warner Brothers was like, but she's still a star. Yeah. Snatch her up. Um, and a lot, they, they worked a lot with these, uh, these, these silver screen actresses. Betty Davis was so figured in to Warner Brothers that they considered her the Warner sister. Right. Which is funny because if you listen to Dot and Animaniacs, She's actually a, the voice is actually a send up of Betty Davis. So, yeah, it, it ha, the, the studio has a long, long, long history. And it, it's an amazing history because I didn't realize how innovative they were. But they also have a long history of really fantastic pop culture relevant movies. Let me just give you a few of them. So you have The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what The Exorcist is. You have Casablanca. You've yep. got The Dark Knight. All the all, all the, the DC, all, all the DC, DCs, right? Superman, Superman. All the DCs. The Lego Movie. The Matrix. Ocean's Eleven. Blade Runner. 
uh, Goodfellas, Godzilla, The Goonies, Clash of the Titans remakes, The Fugitive. Like, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Did and you on. mention Gremlins? Gr- yeah, Gremlins. Yeah. It goes on and on and on. It's just all the way back to whenever. Yeah. And it's, that's what I said earlier. You cannot tell me that a person, anybody on this planet has not seen at least one Warner Brothers product. Unless you are actively going out of your way to not watch television or film, yeah, there's no way. We haven't even scratched the surface of their television presence. No. My and goodness, you know? Like, they have their own... They have, is this network still running? The WB? Uh, no. WB became C- CW, which is a... Mix, right. Which, which right. Basically, uh, UPN and WB went together yeah. and... Right. Yeah. Okay. Um... <laughs> But let's talk about the animation. Yes. Because they this is where Disney and Warner Brothers really have that rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. Because Universal had Woody Woodpecker. They did cartoons too, but they're not synonymous with it. No. Paramount did cartoons. They're not synonymous with it. Mm-hmm. Disney and Warner Brothers are synonymous with animation. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, other than Woody Woodpecker, I couldn't tell you who's Universal, and I definitely can't tell you who's Paramount. Right. Like, yeah. Um, animation for Warner Brothers. I mean, their characters, be, not just Bugs Bunny, but all of them went on to be huge pop culture icons. Yeah. Especially in the 90s. You, you couldn't walk through a Zeller's or any any kid's uh, um, clothing store without seeing Bugs Bunny in that. Uh, b- uh, basketball getup. Right, from Space Jam. No, it was actually before Space Jam. Oh, okay. it was, it's actually really neat. The The merchandise that they started releasing in the 90s inspired Space Jam. Oh, okay. They actually did an advertisement with Michael Jordan and the, and the Oh, Legions right, right. I remember to. that. I remember that. So, yeah, that that all spanned from merchandise. And it fits so well, too, because if you look at the, the plot of that original Space Jam... It fits so well because Michael Jordan had retired and these aliens want to capture all these uh, big basketball stars in some of the funniest ways possible. <laughs> and But Michael Jordan is retired, so the Looney Tunes go, We need your help! It was such... It was so wild seeing that movie because, like, the first thing that comes to mind when I looked at that movie is, okay... This looks like a retread of... This looks like it's going to be the same as Roger Rabbit. Right. And it very much was not. No. And it was its own unique thing. And it did so well at the box yeah. office. And the second Space Jam with LeBron James didn't seem to have that same... Je ne sais quoi. I haven't watched it. And there's reasons I haven't watched it. One, I frankly don't care. Two, <laughs> it's been done... Three, it, it the idea was there well over a decade ago to do this sequel because LeBron James has been a basketball player since he was in just out of high school. They wanted to do that movie and they never did it and they never did it. They wanted to do it, they never did it. It just kept going on. The rumors that it was going to make it, and unfortunately, sometimes when you wait that long to do it, it the, the 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 product doesn't live up to the hype. So when they finally came out with this after waiting for 10, 12 years for this film, I just sat there and went, eh, I don't care. Yeah, and you know, it speaks to the richness of these characters because we all like to imitate them. They all have their own catchphrases. Yeah. Even Taz you know, has his, his catchphrase, even if it's the... the <laughs> everyone knows what that is. You expect the Taz may need to do it. But... You know, you, you think about how smart those cartoons were, right? Because mm-hmm. they brought in actual actors uh, that they would sort of feature, even if the people weren't doing their voices, you know, like Bing Crosby and so forth and so on. They appear in, in these cartoons. But it's amazing that Mel Blanc did all those voices. We talked about that earlier. And, you know, like Marvin the Martian is just absolutely one of my favorites. <laughs> I, I love his... the. I don't know if it's the first cartoon he was in, but I, I just love when he says this. The Illudium Q36 explosive space modulator. That creature has stolen the space modulator. <laughs> I just love his voice. I love it. 
anytime I get a chance to do it, like I just did, I will. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, uh, you know what we need to do? We need to go through the drive through drive through at McDonald's and you do that. Part. But anyway. How <laughs> that and crusty. <laughs> oh no, no, not again. Never again. Okay. The <clears throat> it was Mel Blanc that did all the voices, with the exception of June Foray, right? Right. June Foray did the female voices, like Granny and Witch Hazel. And she, I believe, I believe she did uh, the Road Roadrunner. They made a joke about it in The Simpsons, where where they're like, uh, um, "Yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't actually say meep, meep. It was just meep." And then they uh, circled it. They, they circled it in the track. And anyway, yeah. so <clears throat> when you look at how talented, like there are actors, there are voice actors out there that can do thousands and thousands of. Frank Welker comes to yeah. mind, of course. Yeah. There are actors out there that can do multiple different things. Like one of my, as a Transformers fan, one of my favorite little tidbits of trivia is that all the Mogwai in Gremlins were voiced by, with the exception of Gizmo, right? were voiced by Peter Cullen, who plays Optimus Prime. Well, that's interesting. And the Gremlins were all voiced by Frank Welker, who yeah. plays Megatron. And you know, it's interesting too, because you're mentioning Gremlins. So you look at that original movie and Chuck Jones, <clears throat> the chief animator, at Warner Brothers of the Looney Tunes at the time is in the movie. He's got a little cameo there. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? You know, he does a drawing of Mrs. Deagle and he's like, hey, this, hey Mr. Jones, that's a nice drawing you've got. Yeah. I held myself laughing at that, being on the in-joke, because I'm like, I know that's Chuck Jones. Yeah. As a American growing up in the 90s, we had two options on Saturday morning, WB Kids or Nickelodeon. And... It kind of was a fight sometimes between my brother and I and which one we watched. But half the time they'd have like Pinky in the Brain. And I love they, Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. And like my my parents could watch that and get all those jokes. And then we'd also be like, ha ha ha, funny mice. Um, but then we had like um, the Shaolin Showdown and Mucha Lucha. And later on, uh, it was at night, but they had Teen Titans. Like, and Teen Titans also was on Cartoon Network, but they had Teen Titans, and my brother and I ate that up so much. That was like, <laughs> we kind of watched like the Justice League and stuff, but Teen Titans was our superhero show. That is right. what yeah. we loved. Yeah. So in the early 90s, when I was a kid, the <laughs> a lot of the cartoons were these kind of weird spinoff versions of Looney Tunes, like you had Tasmania. Um, to an extent, although not really a spinoff, but Animaniacs, which had Pink in the Brain. And you had uh, Tiny Toons. And one of the things I really appreciate about those cartoons from the early 90s was the fact that they would slip jokes in there that were definitely made like for the, the prince, parent. The Prince joke? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, my favorite was uh, from Tiny Toons. The Daddy Gator's trying to... Um, marry off his two daughters to Buster Bunny and Buster Bunny says, Sir, that's big of me. And the daddy gator goes, No son, that's big of me. And I'm <laughs> as a kid, I had no idea what that meant. As an adult, I'm like, that is smart. I think Steven Spielberg, because he was behind it, did yeah. a really good job of recreating the feel that the original Looney Tunes had. Yes. With, you know, the these new characters. Like Slappy the Squirrel. <laughs> I love Slappy. Slappy the Squirrel was such an amazing character because she was this kind of haggard leftover from old Hollywood. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from her was, what are scripts for? And then her nephew says, for lining the bottom of bird cages." <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. Another thing that definitely helped Warner Brothers was they were the main place to watch Pokemon. Yes. In the 90s. Yes, like that's it, true. It was uh, four kids, whatever, but they had Pokemon. That's so, where you watched it. And interestingly enough, Pokemon actually helped save their animation studios because with their with the Pokemon movies. But that's that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's so. yeah, you know, I'm kind of envious of you guys being able to grow up on that stuff because by the time that came out, I was already grown. So I grew up on the old Looney Tunes, yeah. right? You know? And, like, you just, there's anybody from my generation, you just absolutely know, you're thinking about Sylvester the cat and the kangaroo and his son, right? Yeah. And he's 
just that that line of his gets used over and over and over again. It's like where he says, "My father thrown out by a mouth. I'll never be able to show my faith in public again. Oh, the shame of it all!" And he puts the paper back. Away. Oh my God! Just some of the old Looney Tunes cartoons are so the Barber of Seville mm. short. Mm-hmm. That is. What's Opera Doc? Yeah, that one is so amazing. And just, they, 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 when I think of Elmer Fudd, I don't think of him in the Hunter outfit. I think of, I think of him in that little gladiator outfit from, from Barbara <laughs> Cabell. <laughs> the fucking yeah. outfit. Um, <laughs> and even, even uh, um, Yosemite Sam. Oh, what in tarnation? I can't because I can't, you brought that up and I'm killing myself now because of his accent. It's like... Kill the wabbit! Kill, Kill the, the wabbit. wabbit! Oh my god. And Bugs Bunny, what do you want with the wabbit? <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, that's 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 Warner Brothers past. They were really smart. Whoever's in charge now was really, really smart because they have the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. They have the whole Harry Potter thing. And the DCU, good or yeah. bad, whether the movies do well or not, doesn't matter. It goes all the way back to Christopher Reeve as Superman, Michael Keaton as Batman, and so forth and so on. Like, and Val Kilmer as Batman, and George Clooney as Batman. Like, and Christian Bale as Batman. Why you got to be so negative all the time? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Apparently, if you go up to George Clooney in the street and say you didn't like Batman Returns, he'll pull a $10, t- uh, $10 bill out of his wallet and refund you. Uh, you know, for your I, ticket, I honestly couldn't say that with a straight face because the the thing of it is, those Joel Schumacher ones were bad, <laughs> but I still watched them. I can't say I didn't enjoy them for what they were, especially when you sit there and you you. I mean, it, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze right. and uh, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Uh, it's so campy and so out there. It's kind of delicious. This has always been my take on Joel Schumacher films. His take on Batman, the movies that he made, were was an updated film version of the Adam West Batman. Absolutely, it was, and I'm pretty sure that inspired him. Yeah, I you know, and that that's kind of the thing though, because Warner Brothers also, even though some of the properties haven't been great. But if you look at the fact that the Batman, which came out and we reviewed that, yeah. was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Joker was spectacular. Coming up, oh, that's what I wanted to mention. I saw a, a new trailer for Fall Do. Oh, you know, Lady Gaga's going to do really well in that. To, just, she, she just might, for she the, might even get an Oscar nom. For the listeners who aren't aware, Fall Do is the sequel to The Joker. It looks like it's going to be just as good. I'm, 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 I'm not kidding. It's, it's such a great trailer because they're having this whole conversation, and Joker has killed like six or seven of his previous psychiatrists. You know, so it's this, this. It's gonna be good. I guarantee it's gonna be good. But that's what I mean. It's like for the most part, we've discussed this in other seasons. How the writing for the animated DC characters yes. seems to be better than the writing for the live action. DC animation, or DC animation, Warner Brothers animation with the DC characters. These are spectacular movies, mm-hmm. spectacular animated movies. I completely agree with that. When you look at, uh, like, Under the Red Hood, even... Even The Killing Joke, which is not my favorite, it's still a very well-done little film. And having Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy voice that one, oh, chef's kiss to that. It's amazing how they can go really dark or they can go really funny. Yeah. You know, and like we mentioned Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Not for children, but it's hilarious. Yeah, the Harley Quinn television show, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love... I like. As much as I loved Sylvester Stallone's King Shark in the in the Suicide Squad movie, <laughs> I really, really adore King Shark from the cartoon. He's so funny. Yeah. It's hard to believe, actually, that we're sitting here looking at a movie studio that is a century old, that has brought us so many properties. 
so many iconic films. Mm -hmm. And they're continuing to go. I mean, they dominated the summer with Barbie. It yeah. broke all the records. Huge, huge success. So right now, Warner Brothers, 100 years later, is still sitting right there at the top. Yep. And it's interesting because right, like up until recently, the bread and butter for these studios has been superhero films. Right. But now Barbie has happened. And right now, there's no plans for a sequel. Right. But it'll be interesting to see where things go. Now, will they take the right lesson away from Barbie and make the right films? Or are they just going to go, well, toy films are popular. Let's do that. Well, we can only we can only surmise. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that kind of conjecture. I'm just going to sit there and go, what a ride it's been. A hundred years of Warner Brothers. Here's to a hundred more. I won't be here for that. I won't either, but <laughs> I will be. Oh, I, I said last night, we all went to a toga party last night. Toga, toga, toga. And uh, it was also partly to celebrate my birthday. There was a nice little cake there because my birthday is coming up. And I'm really old. But I quipped that I was not going to die. I quipped that I was just going to float around in the space that the Earth used to occupy. And wow. somebody said, well, how do you plan on doing that? I said, it's easy. You just don't die. <laughs> so far, you're doing a really good so job. So far. <laughs> so far. So far, you're crossed. succeeding. So far, you're succeeding. Yeah, I haven't died yet. Hopefully, I have not hexed <laughs> anything. So, aliens, as we wrap things up, we just want to give you a little hint of some of the things that we're going to be talking about this season. Ren, you have that list. We are going to be talking about cryptids, vampires, puppets, Star Trek, iconic vehicles, maybe some Buffy, maybe some Mel Brooks. And finally, we're going to do an episode on iconic aliens. It's about damn time, too. We're only called Area 51 and a half. We talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture, and we're going to lean in on a few of those subjects a little bit heavier this season. I am so excited. Nick, reminder aliens how they can get a hold of us. Oh, as always, you can find us on Instagram, X, and TikTok at the Area 51H. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Area 51 and a half. Please give us money on Patreon. And of course, make sure to subscribe and like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your listening ear candy. And don't forget to spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> thank you, Bob Barker. That is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half Aliens. Thank you for joining us on our landing pad, and we'll see you in two weeks. Meaning, 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 it's all folks.